book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're continuing in our series here in Genesis. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in the row or in the seat in front of you. I would encourage you to grab that, open up to the book of Genesis chapter 24. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take that Bible home with you. That is our gift to you today. The words will also be on the screen for you this morning that you can follow along with us. Genesis chapter 24. Chapter 24. It is a very long chapter, and I will not read the whole chapter. (laughs) I will read the first 28 verses of Genesis 24. Genesis 24, starting in verse 1, this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But but, but you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac." By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. 
When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Let's pray together. Father God, we just come before you and we thank you. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, that you are sovereign and that you are in control of our lives and that you care about the details. Father, we pray that as we study this text today that you will just open our, our eyes and our hearts, Father, that we may grow in the knowledge, more in the knowledge of who you are and your faithfulness and see that, and that that knowledge then would inform us of, of, of even more of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. I pray that as we exalt Jesus in this place, man, we would see the beauty of the gospel, the good news. And that we would see our need for Jesus. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was preparing for this sermon this past week, and as I was reading through this text, I could not help but remember an old hymn song that we sang growing up in church. And maybe you are familiar with it, maybe you're not. I'm betting that if you grew up in church, you probably are. But the name of the hymn is Great Is Thy Faithfulness. How many of you remember that song? Several of you do, right? Great Is Thy Faithfulness. The song was written by a guy named Thomas Chisholm. And the chorus goes like this. I've been singing it all week, by the way. My wife is like hurting. Her ears are hurting from me singing it so much. Uh, but I'm not going to sing it for you this morning. I'm not going to bless you with that this morning. Uh, <laughs> But here's how the chorus goes. It says, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness. That is such a great line, and that is really the main focus, I believe, of this chapter, chapter 24, the faithfulness of God to his promises. This is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis because Moses basically repeats what we just read. Uh, he repeats that same story as this servant goes to Rebekah's household. He's recounting how God 
has provided, how God sovereignly led the servant there to the well to meet Rebecca. And that is no accident. The fact that Moses repeats it is actually intentional. Okay, it's not because Moses had, Moses, by the way, is the author of Genesis. He's the author of the first five books. I guess I should clarify that. But, but it's not because Moses had extra ink in his pen. He was just trying to, you know, you, he's, it's intentional. He's retelling the story because he's highlighting the faithfulness of God. And that is the point of this chapter. Right? The faithfulness of God. And what do I mean when I say that God is faithful? Well, it means that God is totally trustworthy. We've been singing about his faithfulness this whole morning. That's what we've been doing. God is totally trustworthy. It means that God always keeps his promises. He is always faithful. He never changes. He, ne- he cannot lie. God is faithful. It means that when our faith is faltering, when the struggles of life seem to be overwhelming, and we find ourselves oftentimes in those moments doubting or questioning the goodness of God, God is still faithful. God is still present. God is still there. Even if you don't feel him, even if you are thinking, man, where are you, God? God is faithful. He is still there upholding you. He is with you. It means that God has not abandoned you. And so what I want to do is just simply kind of walk through this text and share three things with you. The first thing is I want you to see that God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Secondly, I want you to see that God never forsakes his people And then finally, I want you to see why the faithfulness of God matters to you today. Why the faithfulness of God matters to you today. First, God always keeps his promises. Now, I want to do a little refresher for you. If you've been with us from the very beginning in January when we kicked off this series, I don't expect you to remember that first sermon I preached Uh, But I am going to share with you that in that sermon, I told you that one of the uh, main themes through the book of Genesis, kind of the backbone through the book of Genesis, is the idea of offspring or seed. And the reason being is because in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and they rebelled against God and their sins separated them from God, Right, that, that God comes in and he makes this promise and he says that there will be a seed, an offspring that comes from the woman's line that will one day crush the head of the serpent. Right? And that's, that is the first gospel message right there in the book of Genesis that Jesus is going to come and he is going to rescue us from our sin and he's going to f- defeat death and sin once and for all, right there in Genesis chapter 3. And so from that point forward in Genesis 3, the reader is attentive, and we are looking for that line, that offspring. And so as you move through Genesis, we see that we come to Abraham, and God comes to Abraham, and he makes a covenant with Abraham, and he tells Abraham that I'm going to 
make you into a great nation, and I'm going to give you many, many descendants. And he says, through your offspring, one will come that will be a blessing to all the nations. And of course, that is ultimately pointing forward to Jesus. And so here we see, we get to chapter 24, and the text tells us that Abraham is old, and it's basically just a nice way of saying that Abraham is about to die. Uh, Sarah, his wife, has passed on, and so chapter 24 is kind of a transition chapter in the book of Genesis because we spent the last 12 chapters focusing on Abraham and Sarah, and now we are shifting gears and transitioning now to Isaac, Abraham's son, and Rebekah. And this is going to be where the, the line, the offspring, the seed is going to continue through the line. And so we see that God keeps his promises. And we see this here in this text. We see that Abraham continues to trust God. We see in verse 7, he, he uses the covenant name for the Lord. He says, Yahweh. You see, in your, in your Bible, you may say, uh, it may be the Lord in all caps. That is the covenant name for God. It is Yahweh. And what he's doing when he uses the covenant name of God, Yahweh, he is pointing back to the covenant that God made with him in Genesis chapter 12 with a promise. He made a promise that he was going to uh, bless Abraham and make him into a great nation and, and give him many descendants. And Abraham realizes this in his old age. He realizes that in order to be a great nation, in order to have many descendants, Abraham needs grandchildren. And in order for that to happen, Isaac, his son, needs to have a wife. And so I want you to see the confidence and the faithfulness of God to keep his promises because this is what Abraham says. He's talking to a servant, and he says, God will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. You see the, the trust and the, and, the, and the confidence and the faithfulness of God to keep his promises. And, and Abraham is very adamant to the servant. He says, listen, he says, I do not want you to take a wife from the Canaanites. And he says, I don't want you to take my son back to my hometown. Now, there are several reasons why people think that Abraham says that. Um, for one, because he knew that if, if, if Isaac had found a wife among the Canaanite people, the Canaanites did not worship the one true God. They worshiped other gods. They worshiped the multiple gods. And so Abraham might have been afraid that this, this wife from a foreign land would have led his son Isaac astray. So that's why he's telling him to go back to his hometown, find Isaac a wife. But then he also, he doesn't want him to go back there and live because he realizes, Abraham realizes, that that, that might have been like disbelief in the promise of God because God specifically said, I am going to give you this land. And so for Isaac to have left and gone back home, it might have appeared to be kind of a disbelief in the promises of God. And so Abraham is adamant, do not take my son back there. Do not get a wife from the Canaanites, but from, from back home. And so we see that Abraham is just 
trusting in the faithfulness of God. And so Abraham sends out his oldest and most trusted servant on this important mission to find a wife for Isaac, right? Your mission, if you choose to accept it. Cue the Mission Impossible music. And so this servant is nameless in the text. We don't know a name, but a lot of people believe that this servant is actually Eleazar that is mentioned back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, who's been with Abraham from the beginning, his oldest and most trusted servant. And so Abraham is, 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 is giving this mission to the servant. And again, I want to point out in verse 10 what Moses, the writer, the author, is doing here. Because as the servant leaves, it says, The servant took ten of his master's camels, and he departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And then immediately in verse 11, the servant is there. Now, I want you to understand that the trip from where the servant started to Mesopotamia is 450 miles long. They didn't have airplanes. He couldn't fly on the corporate jet, right? He couldn't, he couldn't get in a car. It was, it was you know, so this, this trip would have been, if the servant was pushing it, would have been at least 21 days, three weeks. But it would have probably been more like 25 days or more. And so, Abraham, uh, so Moses, as he's writing this, just kind of brushes over that with one verse. He, does, he gives no details about the travel because that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God, right? Notice what he does first when he gets here. He makes the camels kneel down by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. And that makes sense, right? If you want to meet women, if you want to find a wife, you go to where the women are. And this is where the women hung out. This is kind of where they went every day, and they talked shop together. It's where they talked about you know, their hair and all that good stuff. And did you see that cute boy in Sunday school class last week? That kind of stuff, right? And so this is, this is where they are. And he prays for the Lord to grant him success. And he says, Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And one of the things that he's doing here is he is praying for a woman with godly characteristics. He's, 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 the reason why he's, he's saying these things is because he wants a woman for Isaac who's going to have a servant's heart. Moms and dads in this room, I would encourage you to pray these types of prayers for your kids. That they would find a spouse who loves the Lord, who has a heart for the Lord, who has a heart to serve. I mean, can you imagine fetching water for ten thirsty camels? Like Rebecca must have been a heck of a woman, to be carrying that much water for 10 camels, right? I mean, she got her workout in that day. 
And before he even finishes his prayer, up walks Rebecca. And this isn't just any Rebecca, but look at verse 24, because she tells the servant that I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor, who is Abraham's brother from the same mother, right? I mean, all kinds of light bulbs are starting to go off in the servant's head. He's like, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? This, this is the woman. And the rest of the narrative is Moses kind of retelling how God sovereignly led this servant to Rebekah, showing us that God is faithful and that he keeps his promises. I mean, even Laban, if you, if you read down the rest of the text there later today, not right now, you will see that, that Laban, Rebekah's brother and her dad, Bethuel, even agree. Like, they hear the story and they're like, man, God is faithful. He is good. And so you see, God keeps his promises. I mean, the, the, the promise of, of offspring, the promise of the offspring, the seed coming through the line of Abraham depended on Isaac finding a wife. And God sovereignly leads this servant, and God is faithful and he provides for his promise. Can anyone here say that you have kept every single promise that you've ever made? That's laughable, right? I mean, I, I, that's a rhetorical question. Of course not. Nobody, nobody can say they've done it. We make promises all the time, and we break those promises. But listen to me. Praise God. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He keeps all of his promises. That's the first thing we see. Secondly, I want you to see that God never forsakes his people I love this, man. This is one of my favorite things I kind of learned this past week as I studied this text. But several times throughout this passage, the Hebrew word hesed is used. And, and the word hesed really kind of describes this covenant loyalty, right? God makes a covenant with his people, and God is the one who is a covenant keeper, right? He is loyal to the covenant. It, it means loyal love. It's it's a word that, that is hard to translate because it is so rich and deep with meaning. Translators have a hard time even putting words to it because it is such a beautiful, powerful word. It means mercy. It means loving kindness. It means that God is for his people, and he will never cease to be for them. It's covenant loyalty. It's covenant love. It means that God has so bound himself up with us that he is utterly faithful to himself, his commitment to us. Exodus 34, 6, write that down. You can go look at that up later. It's a great verse. You see the Hesed, covenant loyalty, love of God. And we see it right here through this text. We see it in verse 12 with the servant's prayer. This is so beautiful. It says, O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love, hesed, hesed, to my master Abraham. Now you've got to see this because not only is the servant praying boldly to God, but the servant is actually praying God's covenant with Abraham back to God. 
He's saying, God, show Hesed love. Show covenant loyalty to my master Abraham. You made promises back to him that you were going to make him into a great nation. This is what he's doing. You promised that you were going to give him descendants. God, would you show Hesed love? Will you show covenant loyalty? Will you show mercy and loving kindness? And will you grant me success today? That is such a beautiful prayer. He is praying the will of God. Right? He's just praying back the words of God to, to God. Right? That's what he's doing. Listen, if you want to pray a prayer that is in the will of God, you can simply pray his scripture back to him. Pray his promises. Open up the word of God and pray his word. This is God's word to us. Pray these words back to God. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Pray. Pray for the salvation of of others. Pray for your kids and your family members and your co-workers and your neighbors. Pray that they will come to know Jesus. Pray for God to send workers to the harvest and that he would use you. Those are, this prayer, there's nothing selfish about this prayer. He is praying the words of God back to God. And we see it right there. So we see it again in verse 27. This is, this is so awesome. It says, Blessed so after he finds out, he, he, he kind of worships the Lord. And he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who is not forsaken. God, you have not forgotten. You have not abandoned. Right? He has not forsaken his steadfast love, his hesed, loyal, covenant loyalty, and his faithfulness towards my master Oh, church, do you see? Do you see the faithfulness of God? He is faithful to his promises. He never forsakes his people. And man, last week, if you were here, we had a fifth Sunday, and we had one service, and all the kids were in here, and it was awesome. It was an awesome experience, man. And, and, and we saw that God was faithful last week, and he provided a sacrifice for Abraham. Today, man, we see that God is faithful and he has provided a bride for Isaac. And we see that through Isaac and Rebekah, the promised seed, the offspring, would continue, ultimately culminating in the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God is faithful. He is faithful. And it is in Jesus Christ. It is in the cross, it is at the cross where the fullness of God's hesed, his loyal love, his covenant love, his steadfast love, his mercy and faithfulness. Like I'm trying to use every adjective I can to describe hesed and it's impossible because it is such a, an awesome word. And this is what God has done through Jesus Christ. He has provided what we need. Just as he provided a bride for 
Isaac. The New Testament says that that the church, we are the, the bride of Christ, and God has provided what we need to be pure and righteous before him. Because without God's hesed, without his pursuit of us, without his loving kindness towards us, listen, we would be totally and utterly without hope. We would be lost because of our sin, because of our rebellion. You see, we are the bride of Christ, but before Christ came, we were not pure. We were not faithful to God. We turned from God. We sinned. And yet God has saved us from sin and death. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he loved you and me, that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is what God has done for us. He has provided Jesus a sacrifice to die in our place so that you and I might have life and life to the fullest, life everlasting. That's God's faithfulness. And I want you to think about God's faithfulness for a moment. Let's pause for a moment. And let's think about God's faithfulness in light of our unfaithfulness. Because I really want this to sink in. I want you to to, to grasp this, even if it's just a little bit this morning, because this is how you are going to see Christ exalted and see yourself for who you are Think for a moment about our unfaithfulness. Think about the ways that we have turned from God. Think about all the ways that we have rebelled against Him. Think about all the ways where we have just totally disregarded Him, where we have ignored Him, and there have been moments in our lives where we have wanted nothing to do with God. And yet... And yet, even in our unfaithfulness, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were rebelling against God, Christ came and he died for us. So even in our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. That is Hesed, covenant loyalty, love. That is, I am not going anywhere. That is, I am not going to forsake you. I will provide. And that is exactly what God has done. He is faithful. He has provided a way for us to be reconciled to God. And church, I am just pleading with you this morning, man, if you are here and you are not right with God, if you have not made that confession of faith, if you've not said, Lord, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord, if you've not made that confession of faith, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. At the end of our service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I would love for you to come forward. I'd love to talk with you. And we can baptize you right here, right here today. We have clothes for you to change into. We can do that today. Listen, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the good news of the gospel. 
And listen, I don't, I don't know where you're at today. You may be sitting here and you may be thinking, there is absolutely no way that God can forgive what I have done. Listen to me, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is bigger. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you come from. It, has, it doesn't matter. God is faithful. God's faithfulness matters because God provides what we needed through His Son, Jesus. God's faithfulness matters because He gives us joy in the present. That song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, was inspired by a verse in the Old Testament book of Lamentations, written by the prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, if you turn there, you must highlight that verse, underline that verse, star that verse. I told first service, I don't even care if you get that verse tattooed on your body. It is that good of a verse. I'm telling you, it, it, is, it, is, it is awesome. This is what it says. Jeremiah writes, he says, the steadfast love, the hesed love, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, never ends. His mercies, his hesed never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithful, faithfulness. I mean, that song literally comes from that verse word for word. And I want you to know this morning that you can have joy in the presence regardless of what you're going through right now. And listen, I know that there are many of us who are going through difficult times. I know. I know there's struggles physically, and I know there's struggles relationally. I know there's, there's all kinds of struggles. And I can tell you that in the midst of these struggles, we have the promise of His mercies that are new every single day. That God is faithful Even when we don't understand, even when we're going through something and we're like, okay, God, where are you? I don't, you know, I don't feel like God is, is there. I don't feel like he loves me. I, I can tell you God is faithful. He is there. He does not forsake his people. He loves you. And he is with us even when we don't feel him. And so I am telling you today, you can leave here with joy knowing that God is faithful he is faithful. And finally, God's faithfulness matters because God sends us out on mission. Just as Abraham's servant was sent on a mission to find a bride for Isaac. And Abraham tells his servant, he says, listen, the angel of the Lord is going to go before you. We can be confident that as God sends us, the church, you and me, out on mission that he is with us. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you. Always, to the end of the age. Listen, because of God's faithfulness, God chooses to use us to accomplish His purposes here on earth. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. And yet He chooses to use broken people who have been redeemed and restored 
to go out and to reach other people who are lost without hope, who are broken, who need to hear the good news of the gospel. And God says, I am with you. I will be with you. How awesome and amazing is our God. God is faithful. He always keeps his promises. He never forsakes his people. So what I want to do is I want us to close out today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to stand together, and we're going to sing this hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But listen, before you do that, before we stand up, I want you to know that our prayer team is here today, and they are wearing name tags. That's how you can recognize them. There'll be some in the back of the auditorium. There'll be some up front, and they would love to pray with you. They would love to encourage you this morning. If you are going through a difficult time in your life, if you feel like the circumstances of life are just overwhelming and you can't take it anymore and you're wondering where God is, we want to pray for you. But I want you to know, man, if you've not learned anything else today, that God is faithful. He is there. He's there. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to be up here. I'd love to chat with you about that. And we'll give you that opportunity as we close out today. But I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to stand together, and we're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. And I pray, Father, today that as we leave here, we would be encouraged that we, God, have just grown in the knowledge of who you are, that you are faithful that you keep your promises regardless of what is going on in my life. You are faithful. And you love us with a covenant loyal type of love. You pursue after us. There are people here today, God, who are here because you pursuing after their hearts. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. Be with us today, God. Help us to see that. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. Let's sing this together. <laughs>